In today's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. We haven't done this before, but I'm hoping this will become a series. I sat down today and talked with a pastor about what he has learned from years of pastoral counseling, asking him to share some some key significant insights that he has gained. I hope you'll find it as helpful as I did, and I hope this will be the first of many. You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Hi, welcome to CCEF On The Go. I'm your host, Alastair Groves, a faculty member here at CCEF. And today I'm talking with Mark Davis, a pastor at New Life Presbyterian Church in Glenside. Mark, welcome. Thanks for coming over. Hey, Alistair. Thanks for having me. Mark, I wonder if you would say just a little bit about uh, your context where, where you're a pastor. I know something about the context of New Life Glenside, as I was a member there for many years. But if I tried to tell people what New Life is, I'd give a decade outdated version. So uh, just say a little bit about uh, where you are uh, in your pastoral context. Sure. So we are in an older kind of inner rim uh, suburb of Philadelphia uh, with a a fairly diverse parish of ages and ethnicities and socioeconomic uh, differences and political differences and all kinds of things. And we are blessed to have a lot of that a lot of those kinds of diversities present in our church family. Um, so it's, it's a church of about 500 people of various ages and stages and, uh, and opinions on uh, <laughs> many things um, and uh, good, good diversity of education and, and uh, things that people do for a living and, a little bit of ethnic diversity, mm-hmm. so a, a a good a good place where you throw together a lot of people who need Jesus who are mm-hmm. in other ways very different from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> living in in a uh, New Hampshire, working in Vermont these days. It's a somewhat less diverse crowd. Uh, it's neat to need to be back in this area, and I enjoy the chance to worship. Back at New Life when I get the chance, um, Mark. I, I my my question to you today is is really simple. Um, coming out of this, uh, which is the easy part is asking the question. The hard part is, is your job of uh, sharing a bit with us of your answer. But um, I'm just interested in uh, pastors and and wisdom that you guys have gained over years of doing ministry, especially counseling, especially just talking through the hard stuff with, with folks or the confusing stuff or entering into situations. And I would, um, I would love your top couple reflections, things I've learned in, in pastoral counseling uh, over the years. And again, now that we have a little bit of a sense of, of your context, that'll be in the background as we hear you. But what, what's, where would you start if, if the question is, what have I learned in, in pastoral counseling? Yeah, well, you know, I think many of us who have profited from 
the biblical counseling movement have have paid a lot of attention to Pauline language of put off what's old and and put on these things that are new, and uh, that that whole image of of being kind of newly clothed by Jesus, um, and I don't know, my quirky imagination has kind of run with that a little bit, uh, part, partly as one myself who is uh, generally more comfortable in older, well-worn clothes uh, than than <laughs> new clothes, and uh, and and I think I think that's true of people generally that you know the patterns of our lives are ones that that take shape over a number of years and uh that that are really pretty important for how we understand who we are um, kind of what our identity is and uh i i think maybe what we don't always think through adequately is you know there's maybe sort of the assumption that won't you be glad to take off those old clothes and put on these new clothes that Jesus gives you? Um, but the, I think the fact of the matter is that these old clothes of mine are, they're, they're all I know. And, and they, they, they feel like me. And, uh, the, and, and I think partly to be able to describe this to people in ways that they can understand and that can shape their expectations a little bit for what biblical change is going to be like. You know, that that as you walk with Christ and seek to put on new clothes, um, they're not going to feel like they fit. Um, they're not going to feel like your clothes. Um, it's going to be, you know, shoes that 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 pinch at first and, and things that, that, that just don't feel, they, they don't feel like yours. And I, I think that that kind of subjective, does this feel right question is, is one that drives, I think that drives at least Americans um, pretty powerfully um, such that, you know, I, and I think certainly you think about like satanic lies, you know, what, what does the devil want us to believe? Um, you know, as you kind of take steps out toward living in a new way, um, I think the whisper is you're being inauthentic. Like mm. that's not really who you are. That that's that this this doesn't feel right. You're trying you're trying to be something different. And and I think that that sense of of kind of venturing into territory that's not your own can kind of feel like, oh, I, I, I'm being, I don't, I, I, people, I think people need to have a little bit of expectation. This is what it's going to be like. It's going to feel unfamiliar. It's going to feel um, like it's not, they're not your clothes, they're not your shoes. And and push through that, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, that's not a sign that it's not working. That's not a sign that you're being less than genuine. That's not a sign that this isn't really for you. Mm -hmm. That's actually exactly what we expect new clothes to do and, and to feel like. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, the old clothes, you don't have to think about them. Right. <laughs> right. It's just you, you, you kind of slip your feet into those shoes and, and off you go. Mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, 
new new paths that Jesus takes you down, they just require more thought, more self consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be more deliberate to to obey, especially if you haven't been in a pattern of <laughs> of living in that way. Yeah. Um, so another image that I sometimes use is is thinking about a uh, a path through the forest. You know that that there's the, your well worn path, and you can go down that path um, with no problem. It, it's it, it looks like the way to go. And the alternative, you can hardly tell, is there a path there at all? You know, and, and you kind of have to take out your machete and start clearing away <laughs> territory. And each step is a little kind of ginger. And and where where do I put my foot? And and it's just harder. It's just more um, more uncomfortable. Um, but to be able to help people understand that's good, that that feeling of uncomfortableness and unfamiliarity, that's sort of the, you know, that's kind of the frontier that Jesus is taking you into. Um, it's, it's not a reason to shrink back. I'm, I'm really, I'm appreciating you're, you're living what you're preaching here, stepping out of your own suburban comfort zone and into my woods with your machete uh, up in the, the north woods where I am. And we would use machetes to go through the woods, right? <laughs> but um, let me, question for you. Hmm. Would I be overextending the metaphor when I, I mean, I'm just thinking about, hmm. you know, not always, but frequently one's experience with new clothes is either going to a store and trying on various mm. kinds of clothes to yeah, see yeah. what you want to yeah, take yeah. home uh-huh. or B, ordering them off Amazon or something else and ordering more than you intend to keep because you're mm. going to return the ones you don't want that didn't fit. But, you know, just there's something about old clothes where there is not only are they not requiring thought, but they are, it's a given that you will wear them because they're comfortable and they fit and they were what you wore yesterday. You've worn them before. Uh, whereas new clothes, they're... In my experiences, there's usually an evaluative aspect to it. Is this even something I want to put on? Is this something I will keep? Um, and to the extent that you are convinced that it looks flattering or if it's the need of the moment, you know, you may. But but I think that can also be a difficulty to the new clothes aspect is even asking, am I even, am I even in the right ballpark here? Is this what I should be wearing? Do right, I want this? Right, right. And... Yeah, I think you're right. There's a very real danger that we're going to beat this metaphor <laughs> to an inch of its life. But but uh, it, to some degree, it will look different for me to love people and speak in a way that builds people up or whatever than it will look for you to do that, right? And so, you know, certainly we benefit in our growth and godliness from being around godly people and observing them and seeing how they talk to people and uh, seeing how they handle frustrating situations or whatever it may be. Um, but I think even in our imitation of, of people, which is, which is um, that's, that's biblical. You know, so Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ or something like that. And, and yet, it's it's I my my imitation of Christ is not going to look exactly like yours, and um, so finding 
what words can I use that are my words to, to, to build people up? Um, where I'm not sort of pretending to be you, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of find, finding, uh, finding a way of, of uh, working out the gospel in my actions and my words that is um, consistent with who I am. Um, and so, I mean, as somebody who is, you know, I mean, you, you have a little bit of self-awareness, so a bit more of an introvert than an extrovert, um, not, not particularly kind of conventionally charismatic. Um, you know, people have told me that I'm easy to underestimate things like that. <laughs> I am, I'm, uh, that I'm not going to be, yeah, I'm not going to be charismatic, but in, in the temperament that the Lord's given me, I can be, I can be godly, but it will be a stretch. I mean, it, it's not like I'm just going to sort of settle into, I am who I am. And, and, and that's all, um, it's going to, it's the new shoes are going to pinch. Um, but, but the spirit's going to work with me in such a way to make those my shoes <laughs> so that it's really um, Christ in me working out kind of the uniqueness of God calling me to, to work these things out in my own context um, in a way that's consistent with who I am. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just thinking as you're, as you're sort of uh, bringing this idea of, look, it, there's going to be an individuation here. There's going to be a way that fits, that is new, that is stretching, that is not inauthentic, but that is that is different. And I, I, I think particularly of, of my own experience, that's probably become mm -hmm. conscious in the last year or two, and especially in marriage counseling, um, where, uh, <clears throat> well, no one... No one who's listened to this podcast more than once will be surprised to learn that I tend to just go off at the mouth. I, I speak a lot. My my default comfort go-to is more words rather than fewer words. And one of the challenges I face is when I'm trying to help a husband love his wife often, especially in areas of, say, learning how to communicate better. And I will I will hear something that I think he needs to say or a way he could speak to his wife or something mm -hmm. that would be really valuable to get from his heart to her ears. Right. And... I will try to help him have a vision for how he could speak it, but I'll speak it my way. That's right. Which usually is, you know, about three paragraphs per actually needed sentence. Um, and, and, and I'll get to the end of it and I'll realize that what I've just said is really what it would have sounded like for me to speak to my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, it's certainly what his wife needs to hear and understand. But if he tried to copy me, you know, anything like word for word, it would be a complete fiasco. It'd be a disaster. A, he would, you know, he's somebody who doesn't need to spend endless words to get across a simple point. Um, and B, it just, it's not his way of phrasing himself. And so I've, I've had to often come to you and say like, okay, now you're not going to say it that way, but do you at least understand what I'm talking about? And then I've had to often go back and say, okay, like, how would you, how would you capture that in your words? And I think for a, a long time, I was someone who just sort of assumed, oh yeah, I'm, I'm saying it <clears throat> in this, sort of multifaceted way. Of course, this is the right mm -hmm. way for, you know, my goal is that eventually you'd, you'd be able to say it the way I just said it. 
And I've realized that's, mm-hmm. that's actually not even the goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. There's a tension there, I think, because if he's not accustomed to speaking to his wife in that way, any words are going to feel new and different. Sure. Um, but to do the work of finding what do those words sound like coming from my mouth to, to this specific woman, you know, where it's not, we're not generic, we're not cookie cutter, um, we're individuals made in the image of God. Um, and, and yet, you know, not, not to be kind of too quick to say, that that's something that that counselor can do, but that's, that's not, that's just not who I am. Right. And, and, but, but if Jesus calls you to use your words to build up the people he's put around you, then, then that's not negotiable. You, you, you just have to, f- <laughs> you have to find it. You have to find those words and it, it will feel like cutting that, that path through unfamiliar terrain. Um, and, you know, it may be that, you know, your wife will look at you the first time you say that and say, what was that? What are you trying to do? <laughs> um, and, and it's just, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying. And, and as you try, you, you learn. Yeah. Um, Qu- question on this, Mark. Yeah. How often... How often are these kinds of words, you know, like old clothes, new clothes, pinched shoes, that familiar path, unfamiliar path, how often are these words or something like them actually coming out of your mouth as you're talking with somebody and seeking to encourage and spur them on to love and good deeds versus how much is this a mindset you have aware that this is going to be an awkwardness and a challenge to them, but it's not sort of explicitly coming out in in the sense of, hey, this is going to be uncomfortable, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think all of us kind of find find things. I mean, it's, in a way, it's what I've just been talking about, right? So these are these are kind of my own metaphors, and and they kind of work for me, and I and I use them, you know, and and uh, and you know, we steal each other's metaphors all the time, and that's that's cool. Um, but but yeah, I mean, this is certainly variations on this. I've said to in a number of different conversations, you know, out loud. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think just the whole idea of God is calling you to change and, and you won't always be who you are today. He's taking you somewhere. Um, and and that expectation is just, you know, I think sadly not enough sort of in the forefront of of how many Christians live. Do people get it? Do people find it comforting? Do they find it? Cha- I mean, I I actually in some ways it's it's a it's a delightful way of capturing something that as. As I'm hearing it from you and even thinking about my own life, I'm thinking I find it both comforting and challenging. It's it's a it's a gentle, renewed call to change and to not give myself a pass if things feel awkward, mm-hmm. as if that, you know, 
negated my need to to step into things. And yet at the same time, there's there's a freedom in it, as I hear it from you today, of just it doesn't um there's just no expectation that it feels comfortable the first time or the tenth time. It's we want these things to become old and worn, and there will be new clothes after that. There will be this never-ending need to to step into newer things. Um, so I find it I'm finding it encouraging and helpful today. Do you find that people uh, connect with it? Are people giving you pushback, or do they engage with it? I imagine there's some. Well, spectrum. it depends, right? You know, I, I mean. I mean, I think the single most discouraging thing about pastoral ministry is when people don't change. You know, when you have the same conversations over and over, um, or, you know, you just sort of settle into low expectations. Um, and for, you know, for somebody like me who, who struggles to uh, have faith in what Jesus can do, you know, you can sort of settle into a, a cynicism and, and even there you can kind of cast that as that's, that's who I am. I'm a generation X Northeasterner. I'm cynical, you know, and that's, and you sort of wear that as a badge of honor. Um, when, when what you need to do is, you know, say, well, actually these, these shoes are comfortable, but are they good shoes? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I mean, do people do people respond? You know, I mean, I think in I'm thinking of people who might be eavesdropping on our conversation, right? You in, in in each of our own lives and in the lives of people around us. You know, have we seen change? Yeah, by God's grace, we have. Um, have we seen other situations where change hasn't happened? Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, what's the difference? Um, and I think, you know, without wanting to give sort of one kind of too easy answer, I, I think one of the differences is this matter of t to what degree am I kind of in a vital love relationship with Jesus where I'm understanding his love for me, and I'm being, I, I am responding to his love for me with love for him. And, and that love is, is what's motivating um, to, to kind of blunder down a path that feels uncomfortable and unfamiliar. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, Corinthians, uh, uh, Paul says, uh, for Christ's love compels us, right? And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a missions verse there. It's a, an evangelism kind of verse that the love of Christ compels us. So, so my very bad remnant Greek, it's a, it's a genitive, a love of Christ. What kind of genitive is it? Is it Christ's love for me? Or is it my love for Christ? Mm. And, and I'm happy with uh, my not very good Greek just to kind of say it's ambiguous, um, <laughs> which it may or may not be in Greek. But, but for me, it's a happy ambiguity that Christ's love for me motivates me and my love for Christ motivates me. Um, and of course, his love for me is what 
begins the process, right? My, my love for him is a response to his love for me. Um, but it's love that, um, that, that keeps pushing us out there on the playing field every day to, to try to, to, to try to live lives that are pleasing. Right. Right. Um, and I, I think people understand that even on a, a very kind of, um, human, even secular level, there's a, there's a book. I heard this guy interviewed on the radio. Um, uh, it, it's something like it's it's called um, shoot, I don't remember what it's called. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's a man with Asperger's syndrome, who who wanted to learn to love his wife better, and it's it's called something about best practices, um, Journal of Best Practices, something like that. Um, where, so for him, as a guy with Asperger's, it, it, what, we're, what we've been talking about highlighted all the more that what you're telling me you'd like me to do feels very unfamiliar and, and, and strange to me. But what he did was he, he, he kept a notebook, you know, in a way that would feel to us maybe a little kind of... Um, stilted or... Stilted, you know. <laughs> But he would, you know, I, I can't think of a good example now, but he, but he would write down, you know, you, you do this, and, and, and he just, I think he just kind of memorized these rules hmm. um, and, and applied them without really necessarily understanding them. But it was kind of out of this sense of, I love my wife. I don't want it to be miserable for her to be married to me. If I, if I learn some of these things, it will make it less miserable, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and his love for her motivated him to, to do these things. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think similarly, our love for people and ultimately our love for Jesus is, is going to be what, what motivates us to, to keep going down that, that path that feels unfamiliar. Right. Right. And so often we want to... We want to feel comfortable in it, and we want to feel this overwhelming love for Christ that just makes it simple and easy, and I don't have to, I don't need the journal, because I'm just so full of love for my wife and love for Christ that it just comes naturally that I always do these right things. And, and so much of life is the beauty of wearing the clothes in, and little by little, stepping into what is awkward, and, and over time it does become less awkward, and you do That's memorize, right. you do memorize the rules of thumb, and you get better at it. And it does become more natural, but but naturalness is actually most often the product of love that leads through practice to comfort rather than uh, just instinctive, easy, oh yeah, of course I just put on what is good. That's right. I mean, for, you know, we have different sort of natural acumen or emotional IQ or whatever you want to call it, but, but for all of us, um, godliness is unfamiliar right? It, it's just not native to me. And, and I'm learning to speak a new language. I'm, I'm learning to, to live a new way. Um, but what motivates me is Jesus has loved me so much, you know? Um, so, you know, I think of my own autobiography, um, the, what is it? Luke 15 too, you know, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And, you know, to, to hear that myself as a teenager, to know 
Jesus loves sinners. Um, you know, captivating idea. And, and, uh, and soaking up the idea that Jesus loves me is what kind of then brings me down this road where, you know, at, at some point then kind of, you know, again, my autobiography is kind of Jesus almost, you know, having to tell me, well, okay, if you love me, then you're going to need to love people. <laughs> and, and my, you know, I know, crap. It's always a catch. You know, I, yeah. and, and I, I don't know how to love people. Um, but, you know, you kind of stumble down that road and you learn to talk to people. Oh, my goodness, I have to talk to people? Um, and, uh, and I think in, you know, in ministry, you know, so pastoral ministry, of course, the combination of different kinds of communication, right, where you're, you're having conversations with people and you're, you're doing things in small groups, um, and you're preaching, you're doing public ministry to kind of a, a larger group of people and you don't, there's all kinds of things you don't know about who you're talking to. Um, and I think part of how these things go together, you know, part of my sort of vision for preaching is that, so Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him. So that's that's what preaching is about. You 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 articulate the beauties of Christ, and and as you articulate that, you pray that the Holy Spirit will accompany the preaching of the Word in such a way that will stir up in people's hearts love for Jesus. And and it's not necessarily sort of, you know, I mean, I think it, it, it's a good thing somewhere in the sermon to make some kind of connection to therefore this has something to do with life. But, but you know, maybe sometimes not real explicitly as much as just, you know, it's going to be helpful for people in the way that they live if they grow in love for Jesus. Um, if, if, if they have more warmth toward him, they're going to, they're going to keep engaging and on these various levels in, uh, in ways that they they won't if their love grows cold. You know what? Why would you? You're you're just not motivated to to take off the warm clothes that feel good. You know, I, I, why go through this process of breaking a new pair of shoes? Amen. <laughs> would you be willing, Mark, to close us just by praying for you and for me and for anybody who, as you said, happens to be eavesdropping, that we would uh, have a love for Christ that pushes us into new clothes. Yeah, absolutely. Dear Father, we do thank you for your great love for us. Uh, thank you that you're not content to leave us where we've been, um, but that you you see us in our weakness and you, you have mercy on us and you run after us and pursue us. And Father, I, I do pray for myself. I pray for Alistair and... Uh, for all of us, um, would you uh, stir up in us uh, a, a love for Jesus that takes us down unfamiliar paths and that makes us willing to just step into territory that is new and uncomfortable for us? And and would you would you give us some success in that? <laughs> some. Uh, some sense of, of 
breakthrough and understanding of how to um, particularly sort out the, the call of Jesus to us in, in our own context with the, the specific people that are in front of us. And uh, would you get glory for yourself as you do? Amen. Amen. In light of today's conversation, the resource that I'd like to recommend is an article by David Pallison called How Does Scripture Change You? It's from the Journal of Biblical Counseling, uh, volume 26, uh, number two. The article will be free uh, till we post the next podcast, and you can find it on our page, ccef.org slash podcast, and just enter the coupon code podcast at checkout. I also have a question about naming this series of podcasts. I've been thinking about calling it The Pastor's Pearls. So if you have a strong opinion on me calling it that or not calling it that, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at ccef.org. As always, if you have comments in general, don't hesitate to shoot us an email at podcast at ccef.org. Till next time, blessings. Blessings.